Driving traffic and creating content is pointless if you can't close the sale. And now I, I know sale can be a, a a finicky number with producers or musicians. If you're thinking like, well, I'm not I'm not selling a, a commercial product. Like, what what am I selling? Um, you're selling selling your art and all of the opportunities that come with your art. But before we dive into um, more iterations of what what a sale can be for an artist, a musician, or producer, I just want to mention that this is part number three of a three part series. Um, so make sure to go back and listen to um, part one, driving traffic; part two, content creation, and that leads us into part three, where we're talking about sales and start and beginning to close that sale loop. Um, So for a sale for musicians, some of the things right off the top of my head, you're selling tickets to a show, selling um, merchandise, you're selling it for a producer potentially, you're selling your track to an album or a large-scale distributor. There's a lot of different ways to, to make a sale with your art to drive revenue for for you to be able to accomplish your goal of most likely living life as a full-time artist if that is your goal. Um, one of the first steps that you want to think about is just figuring out what your first product is. So thinking thinking about your your brand as a musician or an artist and, and thinking about like what what is my product? Now for a lo-fi producer, this product um, that this this product is um, a track, but but more importantly, the streams is kind of your product as a lo-fi producer. Um, if you're if you're a beat maker, this could be sample packs. Um, if you're if you're a podcast host, focusing on that podcast, but the. What what we really want to drive home is when you're first launching, focus on that one product. What are you really good at creating? What are people going to want to buy? What are they going to want to buy, consume, um, and be a part of? And once you have once you have that initial product dialed in, then you can begin to expand. Um, and and so for me, um, I. If I if I start just with Crystal Grid, our our main focus was was live shows. We want to sell tickets to our live shows, and then we expanded into merchandise. Then we expanded into actual, although there were small digital sales of our music. Um, for um, for chilled samples, I initially I initially started just with sample packs, and um, when, once I began launching sample packs, I created the podcast essentially as a uh, as a potential content generator along with a funnel um, to those sample packs. But then the the podcast itself eventually became the product. Um, so. There's there's a lot of different ways to expand and a lot of strategic ways to expand once you really dial in what what your audience is looking for what the market is looking for, um, and and just just to one thing that you really want to ensure that um, that you have is that you actually have some sort of platform for people to purchase that sale. Um, I, I guess a, a a very simple simple way to look at it is for podcasts. Like, are you are you going to be running ads? Do you potentially have a community support model um, via Patreon? Um, either way, you need to either be directing them to Spotify or or YouTube and to have that platform for you to sell from. If you're selling sample packs, 
you're you're going to want to have a site. You're going to want a place for for this traffic to go. Um, if you're if you're creating music, you don't want to just be a SoundCloud rapper. Those days are over. You want to be able to have your music on Spotify, Apple Music. You need um, you you want to. Um, ensure that you do have a platform for you to to sell whatever it is that you're selling as an artist. Um, and before I pass it over to Jared, I, I just want to close the the story loop with with D Rock. Um, D Rock's main product that he's selling is undoubtedly the live shows and working with these fraternities all the way across all all over the country um, to book him and to to essentially purchase his show and his experience. Uh, now, D-Rock has done an absolutely phenomenal job at, at doing this, and he's played hundreds of shows literally all over the country following this model. And so now he's he's folk, he's he's releasing a lot of merch. He has some really sick jerseys and, and hilarious and very cool, cool shirts. Um, and so that that's another another solid revenue driver. But he's also using um, his original music as a product as well. And so you get somebody coming to the show who might not even be that that into electronic music. They have a blast at the D-Rock show. Well, now they're going to go to Spotify and they want to consume his music and figure out um, more of what he is. And um, speaking of of generating those fans, we also want to think about these these fans and these customers from a long-term perspective. Um, so I'll, I'll pass it over to Jared for that. Yeah, as Cody said, you need to make sure that you're understanding what's usually called the LTV or CLV for your customer, which is the lifetime value at which the customers are accruing for yourself and the actual um, money that you're making per customer over the lifetime that they are purchasing from you, especially if it's a repeat purchase. And what this step is, before getting into an example um, or in comparison to something like what Cody was saying, which is just putting out, making sure that you start with one product is there's four stages to being able to eventually get that product to a really large market. And the first thing is to launch the product, which is kind of what Cody was saying, and gain traction for it, which are the first two steps. And by doing that, eventually getting those, you can then start to do the second two steps, which are grow and scale, which as Cody also kind of hinted at, once you start making your way with that one product, you can start to branch out and do different methods to um, either horizontal or vertical methods of, uh, of other products to give to people or maybe other merchandise or other uh, music that you sell or sample packs or beats, whatever it happens to be for yourself. Um, what you need to know in this second stage, again, in the growth and scale stage, one of the most important key metrics that you can understand is, again, the LTV or the lifetime value of your customer. And the biggest proponent, proponent of this or user of this uh, method is Starbucks. And we're just going to, I'm going to raffle off some rough numbers for you for what, um, again, the other thing I should state is if you want a specific equation for LTV, you can just Google it. I'm not going to tell you the exact formula that you use to derive what your lifetime value of a customer is. It's a lot better if you go and look up a formula for it. If you want, you can join our community and you can join us and we'll help you derive your own. But I'm not going to go over the exact specific equation. I'm just going to show you what you can do once you understand what the lifetime value of a customer is and why it's so important to being able to grow and actually scale the music that you're making and putting out and being able to actually sell more of it and get more people to buy your album or listen to it 
buy the beats you make, buy the sample packs you make, get your sessions, et cetera, et cetera. So what's the, some of the numbers are for Starbucks is what they would say is the lifetime value of a particular customer is that they buy coffee from them. I'm just going to use coffee even though they sell other things. Is that they buy coffee for about 20 years in particular. And over that 20-year span, they usually pay, pay Starbucks for that coffee about $25,000 in total. So again, over 20, over 20 years, they're spending $25,000 on coffee, roughly speaking. Um, and what you got to think about is not all that is profit. This is a revenue number. So again, even though their lifetime value of the customer is $25,000, they are only making 20% profit off of each customer. Um, it's because they have to spend money on ads to acquire the customer. They also have to spend money to make the coffee. They also have to spend money for the physical locations and for the workers who are um, the baristas who make the coffee, all of these other things that are overhead and admin work. So once they take all of those things away, they're left with 21% of that 25K, which is roughly $5,000 in profit per customer that walks in the door that they can create that, again, typical 20-year lifespan with. And by understanding that, what it allows Starbucks to do, and this is the key takeaway for this whole point, is they know that they can now spend up to $25,000 to acquire a customer. And again, a key takeaway is the more that you can spend to acquire a customer, the more that you will make in the long run because you can outspend all of your competitors. So for example, maybe Dunkin' Donuts can only spend $10,000 to acquire a customer. So if I can spend $25,000 to acquire a customer and you can only spend ten, I'm going to win more than half the time. I have two and a half... Uh, two and a half times the spending power to acquire a customer than you. So ideally, I can probably uh, garner two and a half times the audience size. So you start to see by understanding your LTV, you can actually understand your margins on your profit and create a turnaround process to then start paying for ads or paying for some sort of method of acquisition of customers. And it be, being able to acquire customers for, it sounds weird, but being able to pay more to acquire a customer is a good thing. Because it shows that ideally, again, if you're paying, uh, let's just say, again, in this case, they're paying uh, $25,000 to acquire a customer and only making 20% profit margins, cost them roughly, let's just say, then $20,000 to acquire a customer, again, including overhead and stuff like that. So that they have $5,000 in profit. But you, if you're only selling something that's like, uh, again, this case, it's a $5 drink. Right, so it's over twenty years. In in our case with music, it might be selling your album, whether it's twenty dollars or thirty dollars, selling a sample pack, selling a beat that's twenty twenty dollars and thirty dollars. Remember that getting somebody to purchase that one time, that's not the only time that they're going to purchase. They're going to purchase ideally multiple times throughout their life. And if you can calculate, roughly speaking, again, look up the equation to do this, what that lifetime value of the customer is, you can then spend that much. Ideally, you're going to be spending less to acquire a customer so that you can either break even or profit similar to Starbucks with that 20% and start to make money back off of the money that you're spending to, again, acquire the person to then purchase the thing from yourself. So LTV is a really important metric to use, again, and it's something that uh, in marketing especially, understanding your CAC, which is, again, customer acquisition cost, and your LTV 
your lifetime value of your customer, or CLV, some people call it, you can then do the math to ideally continue to grow and scale your business using paid acquisition methods, which is one of the ways that a lot of companies use to garner their fan base, garner their audience. A lot of musicians and, and people uh, at labels especially use to garner and grow their audiences. Um, one of the last steps and actually probably the most important steps to any of this in terms of being able to sell a product and especially when it comes to being able to grow or scale that product or piece of music and getting people to listen to or purchase it is making sure that you have product market fit, which is what Cody is about to get into. Yep. So product market fit. Does the product that you're selling fit into the market that you're operating in? Um, that that is the most simplest way to to break that down. Um, now, within music, the best way to think about it is, in my opinion, from this live show perspective. So, D Rock has, as we've learned through all these episodes, he has a phenomenal marketing strategy that is working, and that is getting him shows. But that's because. The product that he is selling as D-Rock the Musician and D-Rock the Live Show fits into this fraternity, sorority um, market. It fits into what they're looking for. If if D-Rock was trying to pitch this show to um, either venues that host like classic rock shows primarily or the most extreme example, if he was pitching this show to nursing homes or retired, retired assisted living, He's not going to get it booked because that is not the market where his product fits. And it's, I know that's an absurd, extreme example, but that's a great way to think about it to, to really understand it from its simplest form. And so, D Rock, he's found a perfect home for his product. Now, of course, just like we talked about earlier, he wants to continue to expand, he wants to play those club shows. He wants to play festival performances. And so for him, he has to figure out how to way to uh, figure out a way to market and brand um, to, to fit into those scenes a little bit more. But these fraternity sorority shows are a perfect launching point to build his numbers to the absurd numbers that they're, that they're currently at. Um, another example for crystal grid when we when we first joined, we were in um, when when Jared with the G, uh, the other half of Crystal Grid. When him and I first launched Crystal Grid, we were in Dayton, Dayton, Ohio, which is a, a smaller city nestled between Columbus, Ohio, and Cincinnati. And we, when we first launched, people were excited about this idea of of live instrumentation, and and so we were kind of getting offered like bar gigs or or just kind of these these random random gigs, which we appreciated the love and the support. But we knew that the the audience members at at these shows were not were not gonna appreciate um, what we were about to do. We were about to yes, we were about to play drums and saxophone, but we we're we're not a jazz band. We we play over dubstep music. We play super heavy, aggressive electronic music, and so we we turned those shows down because we we knew that the product that we were offering did not fit the market that they had even though they were coming to us with that offer um but they they didn't know what the product was they were just thinking live live music sure per, let let's get these new guys in um but we had to educate them on saying like no that we we appreciate the offer but this is not going to be the correct fit um, now to play devil's advocate a little bit, when I first launched Chilled Samples, I was 
I, I was new to the lo-fi, the lo-fi beat scene. And I, I wasn't sure where I fit in. Um, from my perspective, I, at, at that point of, of huge generalization of this community is man. Okay. It's, it's chill, sleepy beat, very super chill producer community. I'm coming in from a, a live saxophonist. I, I play and create heavy electronic music. I run ultra marathons. I climb mountains. I lift weights. I'm pretty high energy. How do I, how do I fit? How do I fit into this market? And at the time, and once again, this is a huge general generalization, but just looking from that specific market as a whole, I, I almost, I did. I intentionally catered my, my story to focus on my lo-fi production because I, I mean, I'm chill sometimes and I make, and I make chill music. So I, I fit into that aspect, but I was hesitant to share these other sides of my personality and my, and my personal brand. And once I did, once I took the leap of saying, ah, I'm not, I'm not sure if the product that I'm offering in regards to my personal brand fits within this market, but I said, let's test, let's try it. And the more authentic I became with showing my story and showing who I am and explaining who I am, um, the more, the more successful chilled samples has become. So there, that, that was a, a, a risk, but it was also just a, a market test, um, which ended up working out. So I, I do want to encourage people to, um, if, if they think there is a possibility for some product fit within that market, well, take the gamble, take the leap. You don't, you don't know if you try, um, and if it doesn't work, well, you just have more data points that, that you get to leverage for your decision moving forward. Um, now Jared, do you have anything to add before we, we close out this, uh, the sale episode? No, I was just thinking about D-Rock playing to the elderly people. I might talk to him. Like, it, D-Rock is he's crazy enough and energetic enough to to maybe yeah, <laughs> to maybe make that happen. To maybe make that happen. You never know, man. It could be like the best audience. We're just like not prepared. True. Hey, well, maybe, yeah, maybe. Um, maybe, maybe, maybe they are the product market fit we've been missing from the lo-fi scene because they're so chill. Like they're yeah, not maybe a whole they lot. Are. We got to be pitching to the elderly people. Yeah, <laughs> D Rock's ahead do. of the curve, apparently. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> no, but I think it was a good, good series and a good episode. And hopefully, the audience was able to get something from this. Again, if you want to check out the first uh, two episodes of the series, we're on traffic and ideally generating fans for yourself. The second part was on creating content, how to create that idea engine and how to pick the right platform. And then the episode that we just went over was all, all about figuring out which product line you want to make, figuring out what your LTV is, and also figuring out what product market fit you are going to be able to iterate towards and be able to get feedback and create for yourself. Uh, again, maybe not playing uh, dubstep music or crazy music to old people might not be the best market and sticking to the uh, colleges and the, the frat communities might be a better fit for that sort of stuff. So uh, we'll, we'll have to test it out in the future, though. You never know if you guys see some kids rocking out in an elderly home, it might be us. Yeah. <laughs> but with that being said, hopefully, again, you guys enjoyed the episode. We'll have a link below to our Discord community for anybody that wants to join. Or if you guys want, definitely message us personally on our Instagrams and we'll be happy to help you out. With that being said, peace. Peace.